welcome to Turn the Page, the official podcast of the Syosset Public Library. This is Evelyn Hershkowitz from Syosset Public Library. I'm a Rita Services Librarian, and this is Turn the Page, Syosset Library's podcast. And with me today, I have the wonderful author, Annabelle Monahan. We're going to discuss her debut, adult debut novel, because she has written others, which I will mention in the bio that I'm going to read. Um, and thank you, Annabelle, for being with us. We really appreciate it. Oh, so, it's my pleasure. Her debut adult novel, as I said, is Nora Goes Off Script. It came out on June 7th from G.P. Putnam Sons. Writing it was probably the most fun she said she's ever had. But before Nora, she wrote fiction for young adults and a column for not so young adults. She grew up in Los Angeles and nearly every one of her relatives still lives in Southern California. She attended Duke University where she studied English. She has an MBA from the Wharton School of the University of Pennsylvania, and you had a brief history as an investment banker. She also used to teach novel writing at the Writing Institute at Sarah Lawrence College. She now lives in the suburbs of New York City with her husband, three sons, and a little dog who sheds. So thank you so much for being with us. And this is very clever. It's definitely, it shows your humor and your humor in the book, which was wonderful. So you, you don't live far from us, really. We're out on Long Island, so you're just a little up not really upstate because you don't call that upstate, but you're. Aren't I across the sound? Oh, is that where you are? Okay. I'm in Westchester. Okay. So I think, I think if I can get to the water, I look out at you. <laughs> okay. That sounds good. Longingly. Yeah. It's nice to be near the water, right? We all love that in this area, yeah. being close to the water. So Nora Goes Off Script is your first adult debut. Um, you had a nonfiction book that came out a few years ago, which has such a great title. Does this Volvo make my butt look big? I love that title. That is just fabulous. And it was essays. Is that what that book was? Yes. So I've been writing a column for about 10 years. Um, and it's uh, it's ba- mostly for moms. Uh, a lot of men read it too, but it's just a lot of just like ha-has about what happens in life when you're trying to run a household. Um, and that appeared in my local paper and in the Huffington Post and in the week. Oh. Uh, and then I just put them all, a bunch of them together um, as a book. It's it's the subtitled Thoughts for Moms and Other Tired People. Um, and it's just sort of a, a reflection on family life. Right. Well, the first car I had when I had my son was a Volvo. So yeah. I, I well, can definitely relate. <laughs> I bet you were just as frumpy in yours as I am in mine. I'm actually on my third Volvo oh, in okay. years. Yeah, I switched over to Acuras, but I did have I did have the Volvo. I loved yeah. it. It was a great car. It really it is was. a great car. Yeah, that's so funny. So why don't you tell everybody what Nora Goes Off Script is about? So it is a story of Nora Hamilton, who is a made-for-TV romance writer. So think the Hallmark Channel. Um, And she has just spent the past decade writing um, these very formulaic romances uh, to support her deadbeat husband and her two young children. And when her husband leaves her, she decides to write a more serious script about her divorce, just sort of to get it out of her system. 
And that gets picked up as a feature film and is partially shot um, on location at her home. And she ends up falling in love with the man, the actor, who plays her husband in the movie. Yes. Very so. good. Great casting. It was great. <laughs> love. And the actor is, what is he? The handsome, no, what's the- He's the sexiest, former sexiest man alive. Sexiest man alive, know? yes. Like People Magazine tell us right. every year. We, how, could we you not, how could you not fall in love with that? What, no, you have to. <laughs> what gave you this whole idea, the whole concept of it? Well, it, you, you know, it's, it was a couple of things. It started, um, it started with the Hallmark Channel. Uh, I went through a period a couple of years ago where I watched like three of those in a row. And that's six hours of your life watching the Hallmark Channel if you watch three of them in a row. And I just couldn't get enough of the fact that it was the same movie over and over again with just details subtly changed every time. Um, and it got me thinking about who writes these movies? Like, is it a really romantic person? Or is it something that's done like on a corporate level where they're just like, they have a formula and they're just reverse engineering the same story right. over and over? Or what if it was somebody um, who had never really been in love? And I just thought it would be interesting if you had a romance writer who you know does this and she's never been in love before. Um, so I thought it would be fun to run her through like a lightning bolt, you know, curl your toes romance. It certainly was. And a few of the blurbs, you've had great blurbs from great writers. Um, this is the one that made me want to read it. The wit and pace of Beatreed meets the complicated career love and family dynamics of Every Drake Starts Over in this wise and funny novel. I loved both Beach Read and Every Drake Starts Over. And I, as soon as I saw that, I said, I have to read this book. But you've also gotten starred reviews in some of the publishing journals, which is amazing. You got a starred review in Booklist and a star review in Publishers Weekly. Which I can't great. believe it either. You're, yeah. Yeah, trust me, I'm more surprised than you are. <laughs> no, don't be surprised. The book certainly it, it deserves it. So Publishers Weekly says Irresistible, with pitch-perfect characters full of foibles and flaws, the work taps into genuine feelings as the characters fall in love. This is a winner. And then Booklist says, columnist and YA author Monahan's first adult novel is brimming with compelling characters. Readers will be connect. Readers will connect with the warmth and humor of this relationship fiction gem. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful reviews. It's just and so many famous authors that blurbed on it. I, I mean, I'm. I'm so impressed. Linda yeah, Holm from Every Drake Starts Over, Beth O'Leary, The Flat Share, Jill Santopolo, The Light We Lost. It goes on and on and on. It's just wonderful. Yeah, it's really shocking. Um, this is the first time that I've been through this kind of a publishing experience where it just feels a little bit bigger. Um, it's shocking to me how generous people are with their time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of these authors were having like their big moment where they're probably not sleeping and they're doing a lot of events. Um, Rosie Walsh, for example, uh, and she's someone asked her to read my book and she did and she blurbed it. I mean, it's just it's it's really amazing. Yeah. And they're authors, too. So they say all the right things. <laughs> well, yeah, they know what they know how much it matters. <laughs> right. Um, they also very easily say, you know what? I don't have time for this. Uh huh. Yeah. And also it's, your book's been named one of the best B-Reach's summer of 
2022 by Southern Living, the Washington Post, USA Today, the Augusta Chronicle, Country Living, Business Insider, and Book Riot. So, wow. yeah, it's, it's, it's only been out, what, since June 7th now, so. Yeah, just a couple of weeks. Yeah. Are you on tour at all? I am. I am. I was traveling and then I came home and then I was traveling again and I came home yesterday. Oh, okay. uh, so I think I'm just sort of in and out of my house all summer, um, which is so much fun. You know, it's, it's such a solitary thing to write a book. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just sat like poor little me in a chair and typed words. And then, you know, a couple of years later, other people are reading your book and to just like talk to them about it is, um, it's just really fun. I mean, last summer I wouldn't have been able to do this with COVID. Right. So I've been very lucky. Exactly. Now, Nora, the main character in this book is such a courageous, funny and intelligent woman. She's embarking on a new chapter in her life. How did you craft her character? Um, I, 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 you know, I don't really craft a character. I don't give myself that much credit. I started writing her story and it wasn't until I was about a hundred pages into the book that I really figured out who she is. Um, and her, her character as is a mother, she has two children that are, um, little kids and she's fully responsible for everything that happens. Her husband is not involved. He's gone. Um, and she is, you know, she sort of manages her family and her life by keeping herself on a very, you know, tight schedule, you know, on Wednesdays, they eat meatloaf on Tuesdays, they have tacos, Um, she has a system for figuring out how to buy chicken on sale at the grocery store. Um, and she is very much in a routine to manage all that she has to manage. Um, and I really was impressed with her as she evolved, just how competent she is, um, because she's really supporting her whole family with nothing but her wits. You know, she's just going to make up another story, uh, and get through it. Um, and I think she's a wonderful mother. Yeah, she is. Did you want the reader to dislike her ex-husband so much? Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, honestly, it's like even a villain, you give a villain a nice character, you know, quality just to make the story more interesting. Her mm. husband just he was he, just... He's the worst. He didn't uh, even see the children. It made me so upset. Like, how yes. could you not see your children? <laughs> I think that happens. Yeah. I'm not going to name names, uh, (laughs) but I think that's a thing. Um, And she, you know, it's sort of, it's like, if you're going to write a love story, um, you have the, you know, the, your heroine's heart is at risk of getting broken. Um, But if she's a mother, you've got her children involved and they're getting to know this guy. And now you have two more hearts that you love even more Mm -hmm. that are probably going to get broken too. Um, And I just think it makes it a richer story for her to be a mother and not, you know, not a young woman who right. is just sort of there by herself. Yeah, I know. It's a it's a great family story. It really is her taking care of those children. She's a wonderful mother. She's done a great job. And how a husband could not want to get a job. That just blew my mind, too. Like, <laughs> how do you think you're just going to come up with inventions and that's going to be the way you know, I guess he grew up wealthy. Mm-hmm. No, there are people like this that are too good to get a job. Yeah. Are they you know, up in, in your neck of the woods? Is that where I they are? I think they're in a lot of places, but I think there's this, um, I think what I was getting at with him is this, 
entitled kind of person um, who's raised to feel really special. And I think that people who are raised always to feel really special don't think they need to do the things that the rest of us need to do. You know, they should just be elected president. You know, they should just like have it all handed to them and they don't want to, you know, do the nonsense the rest of us do. So Nora had a very strict schedule and a writing schedule. Do you have a strict writing schedule also? Yes, I do. I actually, um, I, Nora and I are not alike in any way, Okay. Uh, except that I gave her my schedule. So except that you're a good I, mother too. I'm a reasonably good mother, um, <laughs> but I have a really supportive husband. So okay. I'm, I'm not doing it the way Nora does it. Um, but I get, I get up, I, you know, get my kids out of the house, I run and then I sit down and write. Um, and I do take a nap because mm-hmm. I think that if you write for four hours, you deserve to take a nap in the afternoon. And do you take a nap in your tea house? No, I do not because I don't have a tea house. What oh. are we going to do about this? You need no, to build a tea house now. I do. That's the real fantasy of this book. If you ask me, it's just yeah. having that beautiful little place to go to write. So tell everybody about the tea house. So the tea house, uh, I just randomly got in the mail a coffee table book from a home builder uh, in Connecticut that was building these mansions. And this is 15 years ago. And for some reason I was on a mailing list. So I got this book and I'm looking at it. The houses are ridiculous. Like they practically have moats around them. They're like castles. And one of them has in the back garden of the house, something called the tea house. And it is the most beautiful photograph I've ever seen. Um, It has, it's a single room structure a stone structure with a slate roof and a working fireplace and a little table that was set for tea. And I used to just walk by that book and run my fingers over that page, like for months at a time until it actually ended up being my screensaver on my laptop so I could edit all the time. Yeah. Um, And then when quarantine happened and I'm locked up in my house uh, with all three of my children and my husband, and my oldest son has you know, taken my office. My husband has taken my living, living room and I'm just working like in the corner, just you know, squirreled away in this abandoned chair. And as I'm writing this book, I'm daydreaming about having a tea house to go to. Um, and I wasn't that interested in the sexiest man alive, to be honest with you. I wanted that tea house. And so mm-hmm. it made its way into the story. Um, it has nothing to do with the story, but it's like just a big part of the book that I wrote. Right. Um, so, so much that when the book went out for submission, it was actually called the tea house. Oh, okay. That's how important that building was to me. Right. Right. So that was the name that you gave it. That was the name that I gave it. And uh, it, so it's like everyone, a, she, it's like a she shed. It's a she shed and everyone should have very one. Fancy she shed. Yes. Uh, but it really wasn't the right title for the book. So mm-hmm. they changed that pretty quick. Oh, okay. To Nora goes off script. I really love the cover also. The, the colors remind me of like Lily Pulitzer. Yes. Like a Lily Pulitzer dress. Yes. To me too. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how cover designers do what they do. I, mm-hmm. It is such a different skill set from mine. Um, and every time I see a cover for a book of mine, I'm just so surprised that someone would have thought of it. I, I, I just, I think it's amazing. It's an amazing no, skill. You, you don't have input into the cover at all. Uh, no, I mean, they came up with it and they said, what do you think? And I said, great. I mean, okay. I, I loved it. Um, 
I, with my first young adult book, um, I, they gave me a cover that I thought made it look like it was a very scary book. Oh, and it's a, you know, a, it's a comedy thriller kind of a story, uh, love story. I mean, it's a very light story. Uh, and I said so, and they rethought it and they changed it. Mm-hmm. I think that's the only time I've ever said anything about a, a cover. Your first, it was called The Girl Named Digit, right? Yes. And then the follow-up was Double Digit. Yes. Okay. And then you also wrote Click, The Girl's Guide to Knowing What You Want and Making It Happen. Yes. Now that was nonfiction for teenagers. Okay. Um, and I wrote that with my friend, Elizabeth Wolf. Oh, very nice. About a hundred years ago. <laughs> 2007. That seems like a long time ago. Doesn't That's it? when I started at the library. So is that right? It's yep. 2007. That's how long I've been here. Yes. Wow. Yeah. It was a long time ago. There's no doubt about it. So would you like to build yourself a tea house now? And then you could be your writing place. You know, I think if I had a, a place like that to go, I think it would intimidate me. You know, I'd be, oh, wow, I just spent all that money building that <laughs> thing. I really better write something good now. Uh, I think the way my mind works is the less, the less I've invested, the, the more relaxed I feel. Mm-hmm. I'm not the well, kind of person that spends money on exercise clothes or well, like- Coins a fancy gym because then I'm like, oh my gosh, now I'm probably never going to go. Yeah. But also, the tea house does have significance in the book because that's where Leo, the sexiest man alive, ended up staying while he stayed with her. Yes. So, and it's also, um, it's also the name of the screenplay that she wrote about her divorce, uh, the movie that he stayed in, that he starred in. Right. Um, and that's because she and her husband broke up in the tea house and he resented the work she did. Can you imagine a guy no. who you're supporting and he resents the work you do? No, I, I can't even relate to that at all. I, just, I really don't like this guy. <laughs> no, I really couldn't stand him. I was like, oh, what a horrible human being. And when she got that call from him, I was like, oh, he's just horrible. Like, you should be there visiting your children, at least. I mean, you, you didn't make any money. You didn't contribute anything to the marriage. At least come see your children. Don't disappoint them so much. Yeah, she deserved Leo. Yeah. <laughs> and another question that my um, co-worker would like me to ask you, the one who loved the book, she would like to know if Leo is based on anyone particular. Mm, no. Uh, somebody asked me recently, uh, is he is he in any way like your husband? And then I felt really bad saying, absolutely not. He's nothing like my <laughs> husband. <laughs> my husband is wonderful in a different way. Uh, but no, but it's funny because if Leo walked in the room, I would know it was him. I mean, I have such a clear picture of who he is and he's, you know, he's sort of an entitled, super successful guy who is starting to feel like his life doesn't have a lot of meaning because he hasn't had to participate in his life very much. You know, he doesn't pick out his own food. He doesn't, he doesn't do anything for himself. Right. Um, decorate his own apartment. He does. Yes. He doesn't even shop for himself. What Mm -hmm. I think is very funny is I have a very specific idea in my head of what he looks like, but I don't really describe him in the book. Right. And so I get a lot of comments from friends saying my first friend who read it, she said, Oh, so he's Brad Pitt, right? (laughs) I was like, Brad Pitt. 
are you kidding? He's not Brad Pitt. But in her mind, that was her fantasy that she right. brought. She thinks he's story. Leo DiCaprio. Right. Somebody's <laughs> going to think he's Leo DiCaprio. Uh, and then, of course, younger women keep telling me they think he's somebody that I've never heard of before. Okay. Like, right. Some younger actor. Right. There's so many of them coming up. That I don't know who they are either. It's, it's right. so funny. But yeah, but he did. He liked the, a scene that I thought was hysterical was when she took him to this. He wanted to be normal. So he wanted to go with her on her errands. And he was shocked at the price of bananas. <laughs> well, I think people should know about bananas. I mean, he, I, I he had no idea. Justin Bieber does not know how inexpensive bananas are. Right. And they're so inexpensive. Even right. organic bananas are inexpensive. Right. At Trader um, Joe's, they're 59 cents for regular and 69 cents for organic. Oh, no, they don't do it by the pound. I'm sorry. Trader Joe's does it by the banana. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. They yeah, do. No, I forget what the price is. 18 cents and 20 cents, something like that. But how can they afford to ship bananas from wherever <laughs> they come from and then stock them? I just I I could really go a long time on this topic. But bananas <laughs> are very cheap and Leo right. needed to know. Right. He didn't know. He didn't know that. He probably has no idea what a gallon of milk costs either. So probably not. Makes no difference. You know, he could just buy whatever he wants. So or, or someone buys it for him. And I think there's something um I think there's something sort of sad about people who get enough celebrity that they're removed from their lives so significantly. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're, you're no longer picking out the things that you use or, you know, someone just shows up with a, a dress for you to wear and you haven't selected your own clothes. I mean, I, it is sort of a, um, an ungrounding thing. And I think that was what he was looking for when he wanted to stay at her house. Right. So who is your favorite character to write? I'd say Leo. Okay. Um, I mean, Nora was very easy to write because I walked a mile in her shoes. Mm -hmm. um, but I thought it was very fun to inhabit his body. Um, you know, I've never been famous and nobody does anything for me. Um, and just walk around and, and look through his eyes where, you know, they go into a, a gourmet store and he just wants to buy everything. Like he can't believe it. Like, oh my right. goodness, look at the cheese, look at this. He's just never been a normal person in the world. He has to touch every book in the bookstore. Um, yes, buy new towels and new sheets. And yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly, because he's using uh, those old regular warm those threadbare towels. Yes, I'm sure <laughs> we all have those. Yeah. No, I thought it was fun to to sort of look out through his eyes. Mm -hmm. yeah. Did you have to do a lot of research for this book? No. Yeah. Um, you know, I Googled some stuff about, you know, what, what kind of trucks show up when you make a movie. Okay. Um, to ruin her lawn, <laughs> ruin her. I, I've assumed that they would probably ruin her lawn. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's a lifetime of research, just being a writer and what that's like and how you try to process your own stuff through telling a story. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe I did a little bit of Googling about the Academy Awards, but I've been watching the Academy Awards for probably 52 years now. I, right. I know how that goes. Um, so no, I no, it was all mostly made up. You did a wonderful job making it up. That's for sure. Thank you. Did you always want to be an author? I did. I did. And I got so sidetracked. I mean, I didn't write anything until I was 37. Oh, wow. So, yeah. I, it's, um, and I wouldn't change it, to be honest. I, um, I worked in banking and uh, finance for a while. 
Um, and then I was home with my kids and not working at all for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think I was ready to write anything till I was 37. You know, I, I think that that's, that sometimes happens to people. I think mm-hmm. you're, you know, you don't get shot out of the cannon, just ready to go. I think, you know, sometimes it takes you a little bit longer to find your voice and right, right. find something you want to talk about. Mm-hmm. So one other thing that I, I read about your book, they say it's a rom-com for grownups. I love that. I saw that. <laughs> So that's a good one. I agree. It definitely is because it's the family and how Leo loves her children. Yeah. Like that's just, it's special. I mean, that's so rare because especially their father didn't pay any attention to them. And now they have this celebrity in the house who's paying attention to them. So that was great. You get a little bit older also, um, you know, oh, wow, he's a hunk and a heartthrob and whatever. Um, But you also do fall in love a little bit with the person who loves your children. Mm -hmm. That is just, you know, that's your heart. Uh, So to share that with somebody, I think is a big deal. Um, But speaking of grownups, you know, I keep getting this message on through social media, women will message me and say, it's so refreshing to see an older woman having a romance, right? She's 39 years old. (laughs) She's not that old. (laughs) Like older than who? She's not so old. I think of 39. I mean, I, I didn't write a go set out to write a book about an older woman. Right. He's like a kid, you know, from where I'm sitting. So um, I just thought that was very funny. And that that people don't expect to see a woman who's over 30 having a big love affair. Well, it's a nice, refreshing book to read. And there's no doubt about it. It's definitely great to read that. Thank you. Very enjoyable. Did you always know how you would end the story? Um, I always knew whether or not they would be together. Um, but I was pretty far into the book before it occurred to me what the thing was. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is, that's what's called poor planning when you're writing a novel. You should know stuff like that before you start. But that just isn't how I write. I, I have to find the story by typing. Um, so I get way into it before I even know what's going on. Um, so no outline? I mean, I've never made, I don't even make a grocery list. I, that's just not how my, I'm just not that kind of person. <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> well, what's funny is I have my friends who write and say, yes, I just spent three months outlining my book. And today I will write the first chapter. And I think, what planet are these people from? Like, <laughs> I would love to be able to do that. But right. that information is not available to me before I start writing a book. It only becomes available to me once I'm, you know, all the way in. So not efficient. Well, it works. It's whatever way you get to the end product, it works. It's a beautiful thing. Now you wrote this during the pandemic. I did. I wrote it uh, really at the very beginning, like the horrible, you know, starting in March, 2020. Yep. March, April, May. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it was actually a wonderful time for writing for me because I had nothing to do. I mean, there was, I had no appointments, nothing out of the house right? and I had all of my kids home, but everybody was sleeping till 12 o'clock. So I, I would just get up really early and write until noon. And I, I could put that in an eight hour work day before anybody even woke up. Wow. Uh, 
And it was really, I, I had never had that kind of time to myself where there's literally nothing to distract me with. Like there was no place to go, nothing on my calendar. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a really, that was a real blessing of time for me. And you really weren't under contract with anybody. Like you just wrote it and submitted it. Yeah, no, I mean, frankly, I didn't know if we were going to live through this thing. Like I, I wasn't trying to make a career and do, I was just, doing something. So I didn't have to watch Netflix. So, um, yeah, no. So then I finished it and I thought, I think I might've written a book (laughs) and I I didn't know what to do with it. Um, and my children read it. Uh, I paid them to read it because they they did not agree to do that for free. My husband read it and we agreed that it was a book. And so, you know, then I started sending it out. How quickly was it picked up? Uh, very quickly. Wow. I, I actually got a new agent for this book and she sent it out right away and it sold right away. Wow. So that's fabulous. I know. Talk about a happy thing. Cause that's, yeah. that's an excruciating process. Yeah. Um, we, yeah, was, absolutely. So any uh, talk about making it a movie? There's so much talk. Um, and it feels like it's just, everybody really wants to talk about that. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, no, there's, there's interest in it. Um, okay. I can't quite picture it. So no. I, um, I don't know. I don't know how that's all going to turn out. Um, I really set out to write a book. Yeah. So I'm so happy that it's a book. Um, so if that happened, that would just well, now, that Leo is the sexiest man who would play him in the movie. I don't know. People have a lot of ideas about this. I'll tell you who I'd like for um, Nora, though. Nora, okay. If you know her, you can contact her. Um, Leslie Mann. Oh, I don't know her, but Judge Apatow, her husband, is a Syosset. He grew up here in Syosset. Okay, and so this is now on they you. They interviewed him on Turn the Page. Okay. It was their 100th interview. He, it was the big reveal of the 100th interview was Judd Apatow. Wow. So, yeah. But okay, I don't so know where are the link now. Do you, you I, need to make this happen? Yeah, um, I, I was not involved in that interview. It was a lot right. of we have a lot of people here who actually grew up in Syosset. I grew up in the town over in Plainview. So I wasn't part of that interview. <laughs> well, I was I, I hadn't really thought about it at all. And um, after the book was completely done, I was listening to Judd Apatow be interviewed. I think it was Conan mm-hmm. O'Brien. Um, and I started thinking about him and how I love everything he does. And I could picture le- his wife, Leslie Mann. And I thought she's just that right amount, quirky, funny, sexy. Like mm-hmm. she's such an adorable person. Yeah. Um, so anyway, she was my pick and I don't care about Send her a copy of the book. I'll, I'll do it today. I'll <laughs> tell her you sent me. <laughs> tell her from turn the page from Syosset, from her right. husband's hometown. Oh, they could film it there. Yeah. Right. Well, mm-hmm. what town does this take place in? Like, where does Nora get goes off script actually take so place? So it's a, it's a made up town. I live, um, I'm like 35 minutes outside of New York City. Mm-hmm. She's another 35 minutes north of here okay. uh, in a made up town. But it's, I, I, I didn't want it to be a town where people were commuting into the city. I wanted it to be a, like a more, like slightly more rural town. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not a real place. I, I made it up. Oh, okay. That's so none of the stores are real. Everything's made up. It's all a figment of your imagination, right? You know, I think with stuff like that, and I, I say this more as a reader than as a writer, I think you have to completely make something up or you have to really stick to the facts. Mm-hmm. 
And I read a book years ago that supposedly took place in the town where I live. Right. I got so thrown off by like the children were getting on a school bus, but like our schools don't have buses. Like there are no No. school buses. Really? I'm like so preoccupied by the fact that there are no school buses that I. Why are there no school buses? Because it's a really small town, so everybody lives really close to the school. Oh. Like a school bus is usually for if you need to travel a mile to get to school. So all the moms drive their kids to school every day or they walk or they oh, okay. or whatever. It's it's not a big place. OK, um, but anyways, the details were wrong and it completely right. threw me. So I always try to make up a place so that I don't get the details wrong. I agree with you. I read a book recently, which was fabulous. I love the book, but there was a piece about Long Island in it. And one of the things they said was that they could walk to the beach from where the house was. And we all know there's no way you could walk to the beach from where that house was. So like huh. that kind of threw me also. So you're right. You either have to make it up or you have to stick to the facts. Right. Right. God, that's good to know. I'm writing a book about Long Island right now. Oh, you are. Yeah. I'm hopefully not going to screw that you need up. Any, if you need any help, I could help you. Especially okay. if it's Nassau County. <laughs> well, so it's nothing county. Oh, okay. So it's, it's just, just Long, Long Island? Island? Yeah, it's just some town in Long Island. Okay. Uh, and it's not the Hamptons and it's not, um, it's just some made up town in between two towns that might be real. I don't know. Okay. Why would you pick Long Island? Uh, because it's a beach story. Okay. Um, and they're city people and... Um, that was the first beach I thought of. And I love Long Island. So, yeah. 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 I was at the beach last week. It's, it's so nice to be close to water. It really is. It's a oh, it feels so good. Beautiful thing. So what do you want readers to take away from Nora grows off script? Um, I want them to enjoy it because it was really joyful to write. I mean, that's really, all I wanted to do is write something that people would think was fun, but I, you know, if I wanted them to take something away from it, um, I would think it's the idea that you you're in control of what you make of all the things that happen to you. Um, and if someone leaves you, if your circumstances are terrible, like I do, I take great inspiration from the way Nora just sort of fell in love with herself and her career, um, and did everything she could to turn things around, um, with or without some guy showing up, um, I don't know. I like that. And I, I sort of want to draw on it for my own life. Okay. Well, hopefully they'll make this into a movie and you could go to the Academy Awards when it's nominated. <laughs> I'll wear Nora's dress. This just got so meta. I love it. <laughs> so what do you like to read in your spare time? You know, I like to read um, more murdery books. Oh. I am a murdery person. And very specifically, I like British people murdering each other. Um, I like those creepy books by Lisa Jewell. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Elizabeth George. I like, I kind of like those mysterious books. And every time I've tried to write something like that, I cannot, um, because I start getting silly. Like I those am just, you have to plan to plan them and you have to stay a little dark mm-hmm. and I cannot stay dark for very long. I just get like, that's just not what comes out of my fingers when I type. Uh, But I do love those kind of books. Okay. That sounds good. So when is this next book coming out? When is it due to your publisher? Uh, Sooner than later. (laughs) Yeah. 
I, I should probably get to work. Which is <laughs> what you didn't have to deal with when Nora goes off script. You were just free to write for as long as you wanted. How long did that take you to write? Uh, it didn't all happen at once, um, but less than a year. Oh, okay. Um, but I'll tell you something, you know, it's, it is like, it's overwhelming to be, um, to have a book just come out. That's a lot to do and be working on another book. But when people tell you that they like the book that you wrote, it is such a, it is so encouraging. Like it makes you just want to write more. Mm-hmm. So in a sense, it's easier to write a book when you have a book out that people are saying nice things about, because it gives you this feeling that, yes, I can do this thing. Um, so that's been really nice. And you've done it exceptionally well. So we all thank you for that. It's going to be a great, great beach read. I'm sure I'll see plenty of people at the beach reading it. Although now everybody's on their Kindle. So you don't even know what people are reading. Mm, I know there's a little <laughs> bit of mystery. mystery. Yeah, what are those people reading? And one other thing I want to mention, you are quite funny. If you go to her website, she has things you don't know about her and they are very, very funny. Let me oh, see. Thank you. Let's see. What, what is the funniest thing on here? Oh, I think that your Christmas tree is up the day after Thanksgiving, but it's on the curb by 8 a.m. on December 26th. So as that's soon as Christmas true. is over, that's it. You don't want to see that tree anymore. huh? And so I'm like a little kid the day after Thanksgiving. Like I am desperate for that tree. Everything goes up. And then the day after Christmas, I think this is the most depressing dead tree. Get <laughs> it out of here. Um, yes. No, so I, I front end load my Christmas. Yeah. So what about this one? I always give young girls two pieces of advice. Put sunscreen on your chest and marry Canadian. The rest seems obvious. So your husband is a Canadian. My husband's a Canadian. (laughs) And I, you know, I don't want to generalize about groups of people, but Canadians are just a little more laid back than we are. It's all good. He doesn't mind a mess. He's just like, he's just always steady. It's a lovely, lovely way to be. Yeah. And he loved the book too. Nora goes off script. He did. I mean, clearly he doesn't read stuff like this, right. uh, but he, he was very a woman's book. Yes. He was scared to read it because he thought it was going to probably be terrible. You know how that is. I mean, <laughs> what is he going to say if he hates it? But mercifully, he, he liked it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I really thank you for speaking with us. And I will be definitely telling everybody about this book. It's going to be available. Well, it is available here already in print, and it's also available on Overdrive. So you can either listen. I listened to part of it also, which was fabulous. Oh, good. You have any say in the audiobook narrator? Did you? Uh, well, that's actually a funny story. So I, my, my sister's sister-in-law, so they're married to brothers, mm-hmm. is a very famous audiobook narrator. Oh. Um, always nominated for the Indies. Her name's Hillary Huber. Sure. She's very, very good. Right. Uh, and it, th- that just occurred to me one day. So I emailed my editor and I said, hey, who's doing the audiobook? Because, you know, my sister's sister-in-law is Hillary Huber. She gets back to me. She's like, Hillary Huber? She's perfect. <laughs> and then they hired her. Wow. So, so it's a very, I mean, I've known her for 30 years. Um, keeping it all in the family, huh? I know. It's just wonderful. So oh, that's great uh, that she's your sister-in-law. Well, sister-in-law, yeah. sister-in-law. <laughs> Yeah, but it's just wonderful. And people, I've heard such good feedback. Yeah, it's very, it's very good. It's very, very well done. Oh, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. So we just want to thank you. This is Evelyn from Turn the Page. And we've been here with Annabelle Monaghan.
talking about Nora Goes Off Script, her adult debut novel. So we're going to close this chapter of Turn the Page from the Syosset Public Library. Thank you so much, Annabelle. Thank you. It's wonderful. It's time to close this chapter of Turn the Page. Join us for the next episode.